Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome to the Munkinass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Here's the pitch. A swing and a high fly ball. This could be trouble. It's at the wall. And it's a gunner! He scores! Now, sports on a Sunday morning on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Cardinal baseball coming your way at noon. The Cardinals and the Milwaukee Brewers from Miller Park, September 1st, 2011. Cardinals eight and a half games out in the NL Central starting to make a little move. We'll see what happens. We also have John Mosellock at the bottom of the hour at 1130. I'm Tom Ackerman. General Manager of Worldwide Technology Raceway is Chris Blair, and he is with us live on KMOX. Always good to hear from you. You have a big day ahead of you. How are you? I'm happy to say it's race day at WWT Raceway, which, you know, it's simulated, but, hey, it's a race day. Feels good to say, doesn't it? You've been busy. What's been going on over there? It's been a crazy week for sure. Uh, You know, one of the biggest things to come out of everything that we're working on right now is the the change with the Indy 500 moving from its traditional Memorial Day weekend date on to Sunday, August the 23rd, which would have been the – uh, would have been the day after uh, the Bomberito Automotive Group 500. But, uh, you know, we've, we're working with that group. Uh, it's all about TV windows and opportunities that presented once the Olympics were closed and uh, NBC and NBC Sportsnet working with uh, IndyCar and Indianapolis Motor Speedway and us and to try to come up with the right solution. And, you know, for the, the greater good of everything that's going on, uh, we wanted to make sure that uh, the Indy 500 was a success, a success this year. It got the right time slot. We, uh, are moving our race to uh, Sunday, August the 30th, so one week later. Uh, but you know, like I was telling some folks the other day, I said, yeah, it's it's uh, disappointing we have to move off of our Saturday night traditional race, but the week before I probably got the greatest advertising opportunity on the planet with the Indy 500 promoting that their next race will be at Worldwide Technology Raceway. You really do. I mean, I've heard a lot of people from Indy coming here for your race, so there's a real chance there you could have a flood of people coming in. Again, uh, we are you know abiding by the CDC guidelines right now, but it sure is nice to think about something down the road and at least plan for something still with some uncertainty hanging in the air it feels pretty nice to say that you could follow the Indy 500 it it really is a good opportunity for us you know for many many years the there was a race in Milwaukee the week after and uh the fans loved it a lot of fans would go from Indianapolis to Milwaukee a lot of the campers were so we're currently in the process of finalizing that event schedule for the race weekend 
to, to figure out what all we can do. And uh, we're working with the different sanctioning groups, and you know we're going to make the most out of this. We're going to you know, make it try to make it even bigger and better than it has been with this opportunity. So, uh, uh, yeah, while we are a little bit disappointed that the fireworks won't be as visible during the day, but <laughs> we're going to uh, we're going to do everything we can to give it a great show. And and in talking to a lot of the fans uh, from over in Indy, you know they, they understand that we actually were receiving thank you letters from uh, fans this week who were thanking us for working with Indy and, and moving our date. And uh, a lot of folks have said now that the two are back-to-back, -back, they're, uh, they're just going to make a road trip out of it. So a lot of people traveling from other areas. So in the end, it could be a big win for us. Wow. Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway Gateway. It's going to be on Sunday, August 30th. So put that on your calendar and make sure you're aware of the move to August 30th. They're moving back eight days. It was going to be Saturday the 22nd. Now it's Sunday the 30th, but now you have the Throwback 500. So Bomberito's involved in that too. The Bomberito Automotive Group Throwback 500 is tonight, and it's an iRacing event. It's your digital replica of the Worldwide Technology Raceway Mile and a Quarter Oval, and I understand that your son Austin played a huge part in this. Tell us about that. Well, Austin and some of his buddies, uh, a couple of his uh, Xfinity uh, Racing Series uh, friends, they put together an event about a week and a half ago uh, that uh, it was done for a charity, and they did an incredible job with it and had over 300 entries for their event. And, uh, you know, th these are three guys, all 20 years of age, who uh, pulled this together in just a, a matter of days. So it was kind of a challenge to us. I'd already been working with the Elite Racing League to uh, put together uh, uh, some racing. And uh, so for us, it was just a matter of speeding up that process to get things uh ready and uh, it moved a little quicker on some of the things. So it worked out really well. We uh, hopped on board. We got this thing rolling. And then our team here at the racetrack of uh, John Vichy and Madison Mabry, Mark Fournier, they all hopped in and getting out there and contacting the PR reps for the teams. You know, originally this was going to be just a race for the, the participants of the elite league. But thanks to the uh, the work of uh, John and, and, and all those guys, they reached out to the PR folks and got drivers to start hopping on board. And now we've got an all-star lineup for tonight's race that I'm very excited about. Wow. Who are some of the big names that you have driving tonight? Well, uh, one of them that, uh, you know, it's, it's a great one for us is uh, Alexander Rossi, who's a former Indianapolis 500 winner. He won the 100th running of the Indy just a few years ago. Uh, he hopped on board this week. Um, Ron Caps, who's an NHRA Funny Car World Champion. Sean Langdon, who's an uh, NHRA Top Fuel World Champion. Uh, we've got some of the drivers from the Xfinity Series. Jordan Anderson, who races in the NASCAR Outdoor Truck Series, races for the Bomberito team. He's uh, in the, the race this weekend. Uh, Ty Gibbs, the grandson of uh, Joe Gibbs, who races in the Menard Series and actually won here last year. Uh, in our ARCA race, he's in the event. Uh, you know, uh, in over in the USAC side, we have Del Dylan Welch, who also races. He works for NBC Sports and Fox Sports when he doesn't race. And uh, then, you know, over we have a rallycross driver. We have Indy Lights drivers. Uh, we even have racers from the GT4 America Series. It, it's uh, an incredible lineup of who all we have uh, for this race tonight. And last night, a couple of guys hopped in by surprise. Graham Rahal was practicing last night with our group. So there's a good possibility that Graham might be in today's race. Wow. So I mean, when else would you ever have IndyCar, NASCAR, NHRA, and all of these other series racing together? That's, that's unbelievable. I know. Well, this is the great thing about this, too, is we're the only racetrack on the planet that hosts all these series. So for us to be able to host all those series uh, is one thing, but to be able to host all those drivers onto a simulated version of our racetrack is another. So it's, it's 
really for us, it's kind of like the old international race of champions. And it's just a great opportunity for us to showcase a whole lot of different things. And, and it shows, too, that the racing community is all working together to really uh, get through the situation we're in. These guys miss the competition. They miss the rush, the adrenaline, and everything that goes into it. You're not actually driving a car, but you're competing, and your heart rate's going up, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's funny. A friend of ours was competing in another event last night, uh, and uh, uh, Travis Braden, who runs in the ARCA series and some things, and he was posting on Twitter this morning that he'd actually put a heart rate monitor on because he wanted to show people just how it, it was almost just like he was in racing mode on the racetrack. So uh, he was getting a workout. His girlfriend said that uh, she was in the other room, and she said you know, the noises from the, uh, the simulator, the wheel going back and forth, it almost sounded like somebody was fighting in the next room. <laughs> and she said it was it was incredible to listen to. You're even going to have broadcasters from the uh, Indianapolis 500 radio network, aren't you? Oh, yeah, we've got those guys were all willing to hop on board. I think they're just as bored as I am, so they all wanted to get involved. Uh, so we've got some a great group of broadcasters. We even went so far as to film uh, uh, John Bomberito giving the command to start the engines. Curtis is doing, uh, Curtis Francois, our track owner, is doing a welcome. Uh, Chuck uh, Wallace, who normally drops the green flag, he didn't have a flag in his office, so he pulled out a $20 bill and he started waving it around. So all that's going to show up in tonight's broadcast uh, on speed51.com. Okay, so tell us about Speed51.com. Well, Speed 51 is primarily, uh, during the racing season, they, they primarily broadcast short track racing from all across the country. And uh, But during the winter, they've started realizing they needed to do something to help fill in some of the space. So they've become one of the leaders in the broadcasts of uh, of simulation racing through our racing. And uh, during the winter, we were working with them on having some of our other races broadcast, some simulated races we've been working on. And normally, uh, if you want to watch the races during the season, it's normally a pay-per-view. But during this whole thing that's going on right now, they're making all of it free for everybody. So it's a free broadcast. You just got to log on to speed51.com, and you can watch it for free. Wow, that's really something. And now the setups for these drivers, what does a, a simulated setup look like for them? How do, how does that how does that work? And these things can get kind of expensive, can't they? These things can go from being just a couple hundred dollars uh, all the way up to being 25 to 30,000. dollars So $100 would be like me sitting on my couch playing Xbox. Exactly. There's one uh, one racer that I know that he has a laptop hooked into uh, a TV tray with some foot pedals and he's out there racing and he's competing with the guys like Denny Hamlin who had these uh, $25,000, $30,000 simulated rigs with all the hydraulics and all that. It's, oh, dude, uh, I want to take these guys down so bad. I would do that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the great thing about it is it, it, it really levels the playing field. That's one of the big obstacles in racing is is money because, you know, a lot of guys will go out and they have the best equipment, the best cars, the best sponsors, and you have the low-buck guy who has to hope that it's the best he can do is a a 10th or a 15th on a race day. Well, with this, it really puts more into the skill of how you can maneuver the simulated racing world. So lots of times having the best equipment doesn't give you any real advantage. So this is just as easy for a low buck guy as a big buck guy, big buck guy to be able to win. So it kind of levels the playing field. Uh, to, before we go, tell us again, I know we talked about this uh, a week or so ago, but how did they get the digital replica of your racetrack? How does that work? Well, this happened a few years ago. They came out with a, a, a machine that they put on the back of a uh, truck. Uh, slides into a receiver hitch on a truck, and it's a scanning device. And they just go make pick, make laps around the racetrack. They photograph everything. Uh, it, they analyze every little bump and uh, 
crack in, in the racing surface, and then they process that in to give us the simulated track. Now, the version that we have is actually what they're going to be racing on is before the repave that we did in 2017. So the track's a little bit rougher today than what it is uh, if you were actually to go out on a real race car. So that's the only difference. We're hoping to get an updated scan. And you're still working with getting some of the signage updated. But, uh, you know, for the most part, it's as accurate as what uh, Worldwide Technology Raceway would be in a real race car. And I know that that's what Worldwide Technology is just perfect to have that name on top. They've been a great, great name for you, great people to work with. And this is kind of the future of sports. Esports has its moment in the sun, shall we say. Yeah, it really does. And, you know, a lot of people are looking at this. Just in the past week, I was looking at some numbers the other day that in the week since uh, last week's race, uh, our racing picked up 5,000 new participants just this week alone. So, uh, and I guarantee there's a lot of people placing orders, getting the equipment in, and we're probably going to see that number continue to grow as this continues to go. But the great thing about it is this winter when you're snowed in and you're having, you can't get out to go do something with your friends, you can go online, you can race against each other and, and continue to do this. You're watch out for those kids from Mary, Maryville University, aren't they? Like the back to back to back national champions in esports. Oh, they're incredible, and I'm hearing about all the different things now. Since we've started doing this, I've been getting calls all week from groups in Carbondale, and the Illinois High School Athletic Association is working with a group just out of Edwardsville to develop some new competitions. So, I think this is just the start. You're going to see this really explode as uh, as it continues. I agree with you. I think it's something definitely to keep an eye on. Chris, we appreciate the time very much. Good luck with your event tonight, seven o'clock. The Bomberito Automotive Group Throwback 500. It is an i racing event with many of the. Famous drivers around the world competing on speed51.com. Have a great rest of your day. Love hearing you on Sports on a Sunday morning. Thanks for having me, Tom. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Chris Blair with us. Brian Folkerts is coming up next. You know what he does for a living? He's the center for the St. Louis Battlehawks, and he's from this area. Brian Folkerts will be calling in in just a bit at 1120. That is an appropriate time. Easy one to remember. KMOX Sports on a Sunday morning. As always, you can hear us on the Radio.com app. You can use the Rewind feature to hear Mike Schilt, who was on in the 10 o'clock hour. That's also been posted at KMOX.com on our Sports on a Sunday morning podcast page. Tom Ackerman with you. John Mosalock on the way at 1130. Brad Korn, the new Southeast Missouri State basketball coach at 1145. Cardinal baseball at noon. Welcome back to the Munganass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munganass St. Louis Honda on South Lindbergh. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. Tom Ackerman with you. We're going to catch up with Brian Folkerts, the Battlehawk Center, in just a moment. He's going to be calling in. Again, we have Mike Schilt from last hour, and he was really good. On his honeymoon with his wife, Michelle. And, man, I I really appreciate the fact that Mike, and this was Mike who initiated it. This was not us trying to, like, you know, bother him during his honeymoon. He wanted to do the show starting on March 29th. And I think that's really special because he did it for you. And he likes doing the show, but he thought that it was important to talk some baseball and give us all something that made us feel a little more normal. So we do appreciate that very much. And John Mosalock's going to be with us here in about seven minutes at 11.30. Right now we're joined by Brian Folkerts, who's the center for the St. Louis Battlehawks. Oh, man, would I love to talk some football right now, and I will with Brian. How are you, Brian? Hey, I'm good. Thanks for having me on this morning. It's great to be on with you. You're a St. Louisan. 
and you went to Hazelwood Central and you played for the St. Louis Rams and you played for the St. Louis Battlehawks. That's a pretty cool combo right there. What was last yeah, season like uh, for you? It was incredible, you know, just to get back into the hometown, uh, be able to play in front of my family and friends. And, uh, you know, my mom loved it. She got to have the grandbaby in town. So, you know, it was just great to be back. And like you said, I was born and raised in St. Louis, so it just felt like home, you know. Yeah, I'm sorry that the XFL season got cut short, but again, we're all experiencing something we've never gone through, you know? Yeah, you know, it's a total bummer that it uh, kind of went down the way it did, but, you know, the whole country kind of uh, is feeling that right now. So, you know, it sucks, but, you know, we all got to get through it together. That is absolutely true. Take me through that, if you would, walking into the Dome that first game, what was that, February 23rd. I was there. I watched the tail. It was a beautiful day. Tailgating was incredible. And then here comes the team walking through a crowd of people into the Dome. That must have been, I we overuse the word surreal, but that must have been just that. No, it really was. Like I said, it was surreal. You know, they, uh, you know, they kind of prepped us, you know, said the team we're going to do like a, they called it like a battle march or something. And we get to walk through the tailgate area and we weren't really sure what we'd, what we'd get when we got there. And the energy was just unreal by all the fans in St. Louis. You know, you could tell that, you know, they've had a little pent up uh, frustration with football and, you know, just to be able to get that out and show us some love was huge. That was amazing. And Kennedy Holmes sings the national anthem and the crowd erupts and starts chanting and, I was thinking, I was up in uh, with Kurt Hunziker, the president of your team, who's just a great, great guy and marketed this so well, this grassroots campaign to get this team out there. But I'm up there, yeah, I'm, looking at, I'm looking at this lower bowl in the dome packed, and I'm thinking, my gosh, they did it. I mean, and the team hasn't even started playing yet. Like, the, the fans have right. caught on, and they don't really know these players yet. They're starting to know them now, including with this interview, but they get it. You know, that was that what a scene that must have been being on the field. Oh, man, it was amazing, you know, just to see the the lower half packed and, you know, and fans were wanting more. You know, I think they finally did open up the upper bowl, but it was, you know, a little too late with all the coronavirus happening. But uh, the energy was just electric, and you can just tell that, you know, this is a football town. You know, these guys love football, and they deserve to have a team. And I was just happy to be able to be a part of giving them that this year. Were the fans shouting things to you from the crowd? Could you hear them, or was it all just sort of a, a blur together? Um, for the most part, it's a blur. But then every once in a while, you know, we'll be sitting on the bench, you know, middle of the third quarter, and I'll hear some kids say, hey, Fulkerts, come sign this. Or, <laughs> you know, you just kind of wave at them and say, I'll, I'll catch you after the game or something. But, you know, it was just a great experience. And, uh, and, the, and the crowd, you know, the fans really showed up for us. It was great. It was different than the NFL. There, there was something, the XFL felt fresh, felt different, felt like it was listening. And I, I like the NFL too, but the XFL was, uh, what was it like for you having experienced both leagues? You know, I, I thought the XFL, you know, it kind of had a different energy at their games. You know, to me, it almost felt like a, a big college, you know, the big D1 schools, you know, a little rowdier crowd. Um you know, the fans were just into it more, I felt like. You know, they were, they liked the transparency of the league. You know, they were letting fans who were watching at home hear the refs, you know, discussing what they're seeing on the replays. And just the whole product that they put out for the public was amazing, you know. 
Yeah, it was they, uh, they really let the fans in the game, and you know they let their voices be heard. I'm sure you're happy, and and maybe it's a little bittersweet that Jordan Tamu has been signed by the Kansas City Chiefs because that guy, you you two work together. That guy put up some numbers. Oh yeah, yeah. Me and him were uh, we're a good uh, little duo there. But uh, man, I couldn't be happier for Jordan. You know, he's going to do great things in the NFL. You know, I truly think that uh, he's going to be a guy that sticks around up there for a while. You know, uh, me and him would always come in on our off day on Tuesday, and we'd just sit there and watch blitz cut up just to get ready for, you know, the next game. So he's he's a guy that's not afraid to put in the extra time. And, you know, that's that's really the key that'll, that'll uh, get your career going in the NFL is to be able to put in that extra work, and, and he's definitely a guy willing to do that. And, you know, I just couldn't be happier for him and Dwayne Hendricks, you know, getting their shots. That's right, and uh, this is Brian Folkerts, the center for the St. Louis Battlehawks. So now uh, we all just you know get together and and hope that we can all be back together celebrating the Battlehawks again because that was pretty special. And I know that uh, Kurt Hunziker and that entire group made it very welcoming for you. Um, the XFL, all of the teams, I think, did a really good job. But there was something special as we wrap up here, Brian, about St. Louis getting that feeling back again. We all know the narrative of, of the Rams moving to Los Angeles, but I think it was more than that. I think it's just, and you know that being a St. Louis kid, there's something about this town mm-hmm. and the pride involved. Oh, yeah. You know, I you know, like I said, I grew up here. You know, I have a lot of St. Louis pride. You know, I, just, I, uh, I even rocked a Stan Musial jersey in one of our games this year. And, uh, you know, just the town, they just deserve better than what happened to them. You know, they didn't deserve to have football taken away again. And, uh, man, just being able to give it back was, was unreal this year. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens in 2021. You know, the league says they're coming back. You know, I know the fan support will be there in St. Louis. So, you know, they can uh, plan on me being back if nothing else happens. We would love to have it. We'd love to have you back on the air, too, sometime down the road. It's been fun to chat with you. Really appreciate the time. Very best to you and your family in the area of health and safety. Be well. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me this morning. Yes, sir. Brian Folkert's the center for the St. Louis Battlehawks. I'm Tom Ackerman. It's 1130. John Moselock, the Cardinals president of baseball operations, is next. Welcome back to the Munkadass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munkadass pre-owned on South Limburg on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back, Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. It is a windy but sunny day in St. Louis today, and we're happy to be with you. And uh, we had a good time last hour talking to the Cardinals manager, Mike Schilt. We do have Cardinal baseball coming up at noon from 2011. Here come the Cardinals looking for the sweep against the Brewers at Miller Park. Should be a lot of fun to hear Cardinal baseball as a lot of people have responded and really enjoyed that. And joining us right now is the president of baseball operations of the St. Louis Cardinals, John Moselock, in his normal 1130 slot. And I think, John, that, you know, the more that we can do to keep our listeners feeling normal at 1130, you and I talk some ball and we're doing it again. I'm, it's uh, great to hear your voice again. Well, thank you. Thank you. And, you know, I think that. Like, it is a it is a different time. I mean, yesterday I found myself watching uh, old reruns of, of baseball games and you know reflecting on like where I was at that time and what was happening in my life. <laughs> but um, you know, sports has a way of, of bringing people together and in, in a time when 
having something that that makes you feel good or, or brings a smile to your face, I, I do agree, is important. It was uh, a big year just to talk about that 2011. I mean, at this point, so the game we're going to play today is from September 1st. The game last night, Jake Westbrook hits a grand slam. I remember that so well down the left field line. The Cardinals start to climb back into this thing. They're eight and a half out going into this game today. What do you remember from that moment? So I guess at this moment we had passed the waiver deadline. You know what was interesting is I started, I heard on the broadcast from from that year the rumors about Lance Berkman, that Berkman possibly could be moved and maybe to the Texas Rangers. Isn't that something? He wouldn't come back and burn the Rangers, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually remember that pretty vividly. Yeah. And, um, you, you know, there was, I think, a lot of discussion on the dollars and, and all of that. And, you know, for us, we were just not sure, like, are we in it or out of it? And, you know, I remember going downstairs and, and having a face-to-face with Lance, just asking him, like, like, what do you want to do? I mean, you're at a point in your career, would you rather go to, like, a sure thing playoff team or do you want to stick it out here? And, because, you know, I really like it here. I'd, I'd like to stay here, and uh, let's try to figure out a way to make it work. And so that's what we did. That's really we something. Did. Yeah, and you made a trade before that, of course, the famous trade that involved, what, eight players, the one that brought to St. Louis Mark Zipchinski and Edwin Jackson and uh, Corey Patterson and Octavio Dotel, all coming from the Toronto Blue Jays in that Colby Rasmus trade. How did that come about? Did, didn't uh, you and Tony LaRussa talk about whether you still had a shot at this thing, and and he was trying to talk you into the fact that that uh, certainly you did. Yeah, there were a couple factors going in there. One was at the time we 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 were looking at sort of the value of, of Colby Rasmus, and what was was his situation in time where where all of a sudden you felt like his value was 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 shrinking because he wasn't playing as much, and you know he was always a talented player, but he was having a hard time really fitting into the system that we had. And so internally, we just started to explore what it might look like if we did try to trade him. And, and uh, Toronto was very aggressive in trying to stay on, on Colby. And, and so subsequently we were looking at like all our best options there. And we felt like this massive move, if you will, of trading different players might hit a little bit of a refresh button for all of us. Um, and so we decided to do it. But it wasn't one of those that just came easily, but it was certainly something in, in hindsight that you realize was one of those pivotal moves that, that you know launched us to where we were to, to raising that trophy at the end of the year. No, oh, sure did. I mean, Zepp and Dotel were so good out of the pen, and Edwin Jackson gave you innings and some really strong starts, too. He was really good. You know who the starter is in today's game? Brandon Dixon. I had to actually go back and... Just look at what he did with the Cardinals. I, of course, remembered him because I covered him. But um, that right there tells you, and Dixon and a number of starters that year, you really had to the piece together 2011 to make it work, even with that very strong lineup, Mo. You know, when you go back to any season and and you look at, at sort of the ups and downs of the year, baseball is, is like life. There's there's always twists and turns, and, and that's what makes – the game of baseball is something that's so special because it is every day. You have to show up. You never know what you're going to get on that given day. But the, the, when you look back to see it, like who contributed to that success or who contributed to why we were able to do what we did, it's, it's really sort of 
head scratching when you really like take that deep dive. But in a, in the end, it's how baseball seasons work. Yeah. Very rarely do you get five starters and they they make all 162. Very rarely do you not have something go wrong when you thought it would go right. And so it's it's like life. And that's why I think people love following the game of baseball. And that's what makes it so much fun. And, and so when you get to look back at these years, especially years of success, they do tell a great story. They really do. Uh, that's uh, very well said. You know, you and I talk all the time about the roster and the team and how things in the spring are going to look much different uh, in the fall because that's just the way the season goes. And you answered that very well right there. Uh, right now, right now, there's a lot of uncertainty about everything. And, of course, in life, we are trying to adjust to a new normal. The one thing that I get asked a lot is, what are you doing now that sports have been shut down? Actually, we're very busy. And I know you've been very busy as well, haven't you? Yeah, so the past couple of weeks have been very interesting and very challenging for, for us in the front office and trying to get an understanding of what that agreement between the PA and, and Major League Baseball is going to look like, trying to determine how we should think about everyday life now for our players and, and what that's going to look like. And, and so just trying to run a lot of different models, if you will, from a financial perspective on on what we can do to support all these these different things going on right now for the Cardinals. And and so a lot of people have asked me, like, what are you doing right now? And and candidly, I've been, the last two weeks have been about as busy and as stressful as, as I've experienced in the game of baseball. I do think now that there's an agreement at hand, things will normalize. I don't know what normal looks like yet. Um, my wife said to me the other day, she's like, hey, can I come to work with you? Because she just I think, wanted to get out of the house and with the kids home. And I, I do think I'll probably be spending a little more time at home, working from home, making that adjustment. But, I mean, the, the oddest thing for me is probably the first time in 25 years, I don't have a plane ticket purchased somewhere. So yeah. it's like everyone, it's it's having to, to take a step back, take a deep breath, and, and really just try to understand that, that what we're used to doing isn't happening right now. And, you know, that's really what I've been trying to emphasize to, to my staff and the people I work with is like, this isn't a light switch. We have to, we're not just going to turn something on today. We just want to prepare, be organized and be ready for when that time does happen. We're, we're ready to go. But right now just breathe, um, adjust because that's what it's going to take. And, and hopefully not only from a baseball standpoint, but people are able to do that on a personal level and, and understand that the game of baseball, like a lot of things, just aren't being done right now. What kind of ways do you stay in contact with players and staff? I guess multiple phone calls, emails, texts? Yeah, so, so we do. We, we use a, um, um, a communication device called Teamworks, which is, is something that we, we started, we piloted last year at the minor league level, but now we do it throughout our entire system. And it's just a great way to stay in touch with, with players. And so you can set up def, different communication trees, if you will, and, and be able to, to send out any information you want. So from a medical standpoint, performance or strength training, all of that can be done on a regular basis and keep them keep players up to speed. They can also ping you back if they have a question. And so we're using that throughout the baseball side of our operation. But, yeah, I find myself on a lot more Zoom meetings than I've ever had in my life. And, and so, you know, again, we're all adjusting to to what this new normal looks like from a, from a business side. But 
look, everybody's having to do things differently. And that's the part I think if, if you can handle that or, or accept that, it's going to make every day a little easier and perhaps maybe make it go a little faster. Yeah, that's good. I've had, I've really enjoyed the family time. I have, and it's been good to work from home. I'm at KMOX right now and just missed a call from my daughter. I think she was, you know, just kind of curious, like, Hey, what's going on this morning? You know, what's for lunch? I mean, we, we just, you know, we're, we're, we're a unit. And I think that's really important. It is important to just pause and slow down and review what we're doing. Although we've been very busy, it's nice to be connected at home and, and St. Louis, uh, Mo, it, it, I know you're here and I'm here. This is such a great, great place. And I know that when everything does come back together, it'll be very special. I think that's the one thing we can sort of hang out there, that hope that when everything does come back, it's going to be amazing. Yeah, a couple thoughts. thoughts. One is is that the more we can avoid people right now, the better. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no doubt that what you read and what you're seeing in, in other major metropolitan areas you know that can be scary, and that can that can be something that if if we all play it smart here, maybe it'll be uh, something that will be lesser or more preventable. And then you know, lastly, and I, I heard this the other day, and I think it holds true: all storms run out of rain, and this one will too. Great to talk to you, my friend. I appreciate the time very much. Have a great Sunday. All right, thank you. There's the president of baseball operations, John Mosellock of the Cardinals. We'll be back right after this. As St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munkin' ask St. Louis Honda on South Lindbergh. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Back on the show, what a show we've had with Mike Schilt, the Cardinals manager, John Mosellock, last segment on Sports on a Sunday Morning, the president of baseball operations, Chris Blair, who's preparing for a big event tonight, his Bomberito Automotive Group Throwback 500. The iRacing event is tonight at 7 o'clock on speed51.com. Brian Folkerts, wasn't that nice to talk to him, the Battlehawk Center, visiting with him a little earlier this hour. And now we're joined live we just skip around sports, Coach. This is college basketball, and we're joined by Brad Korn. He is the new coach at Southeast Missouri State University. And if you recognize the name, that's because you're a Saluki or you're a member of the Missouri Valley Conference because he was darn good for SIU. How are you, Coach? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on. Brad Korn would hurt you from anywhere. In the post, hit a shot from the outside, Big, tall forward who could do a lot for Bruce Weber and the SIU Salukis. In fact, you were doing a lot for Bruce Weber on that bench at Kansas State, and now you're at Southeast. How are things going? It, it's so far so good, considering the, the circumstances, as we all know. Uh, it's a different time for everybody in, in any line of work. So it's uh, it's been quite the challenge initially, but uh, it's definitely a challenge you look forward to, and um, you know we're not going to use anything as an excuse of, of why we can't move forward and, and get done what we need to get done. Oh, that is certainly true. I mean, we have uh, right now a big challenge in front of us, and we don't know when sports will return. We don't know when life will be normal again. But uh, how are how are you handling it day-to-day just from a lifestyle standpoint? I know that we are all doing things to to try to improve our day. Yeah, it's it's so challenging Um Day and day, especially if you have kids in your house, they they think it's spring break, <laughs> and you're trying to get you know get them settled in and try to do a little bit of schoolwork so they can advance stuff. You're getting stuff from the schools and uh, trying to be head coach, teacher, father, husband, all in one, um, and, and time really doesn't matter for for them. So, and then the basketball, the profes- uh, professional side of it is 
really the interpersonal communication is is so hard, especially when you take over a, a new position, taking over a program. You, I want to be around the guys. I want to be face to face. We could have already been working out, and now. Um, you know, who knows when that will resume, as you mentioned. And um, there's bigger things in basketball, uh, always in life. Um, and this is a, a serious deal, and we, we've got to be respectful of it and mindful of it and, and try to get the whole country back on track, not just basketball. Southeast Missouri State's a great university. It really is. I, I've done some games down there in Cape Girardeau. What a great town that is. Great college town. Excellent university. What was the attraction for you from a basketball standpoint, a school that has been uh, once really was one of those teams that you had to really contend with in the Ohio Valley. Yeah, and even as a, my, my playing career and coaching career, as you mentioned, at SIU, I've always just kind of kept an eye on it. Obviously very familiar with the region. Um, knowing the, the director of athletics um, fairly fairly well. Um, so I think all those things, you know, when you have an a athletic director, a region, a basketball school, other programs have been winning football, women's basketball, um, you know, so there's been success in other programs and we've just got to get a, an identity and a brand uh, going that's sustainable and, um, you know, create an atmosphere of a, a total buy-in, not just from players and coaches, but really the community in the whole. So trying to just get all those things in line. Um, anytime you look at jobs, I've always dreamed of being a head coach and I didn't just want to be a head coach just to say I was a head coach. I wanted to go somewhere where they really value basketball um, I could, my values can be in line with not just the athletic director, but the president and the school's mission, as you touched on. Uh, so I think it's really a, a special place that um, you know I'm really looking forward to getting entrenched in the community and, and, and building something, a sustainable uh, brand of basketball. You have worked at Missouri State by helping develop players there, SIU, Kansas State. I mentioned all of the stops. Um, and one thing is a common thing, I think, is that when you're a player and you were for Bruce Weber, earlier last decade, uh, you start to understand that you are teachers, but also teachers in life. Developing student-athletes is not just about basketball. It's managing everything else, isn't it? It really is, and I think now, you know, sliding over those 16 inches as a head coach, um, as an assistant, you don't have to worry about it as much as the head coach, obviously, and you can kind of, um, I don't want to say pick and choose, but you don't have to be present for all things, and now as a head coach, you have to be present for all things, and uh, really be the leader and see the big picture all the time. I guess what I was trying to say with that is, is as assistants, we can deal with the short term uh, and the immediate problems. And as a head coach, I think you have to have that, that vision and that direction of where we're always trying to go and then keep people focused on that goal so you don't lose track. And, um, you know, you can never just worry about one person. It's it's really you're always worrying about the, the betterment of the team. And uh, that's going to be a challenge, just shifting that focus. Uh, but that's obviously something I'm, I'm really looking forward to. What did you learn from Bruce, who is one of the best at keeping a program consistently good? Mm-hmm. I, I really, everything, <laughs> in short. <laughs> um, just from the, the way that, you know, he recruited me in 1998, 97, something like that, started recruiting me. And you look at his career, and everywhere he's been, the highs and the, and the lows, uh, Coach has always been so consistent. Uh, he's been consistent with his approach to the game. He's been consistent in how he communicates with people. He's been consistent uh, with how he treats people. Uh, so I think the the best thing that I can say or the, the thing that stands out the most to me is his consistency and just the, the day-to-day operations of how he runs a program and how he treats people. I think that really always comes back full circle. Uh, you know, really just he's for him to not change and be the exact same person he was for me 20 years ago, 22 years ago, whatever it was, uh, to me that really, really speaks to his character.
K-State is uh, some basketball school itself, having done a game there at uh, that awesome facility, Bramlage. That place gets mm-hmm. ramped up. And, you know, I started, and, and I do work for the Missouri Valley Conference and, and do their television games, some of their games. Seeing SIU back rolling again was really something. I mean, it, it started to make me feel those feelings again, seeing you all doing what you did back in those days. That that building got rocking again. It's uh, pretty nice to see this region. I think that's the important thing. If, if Illinois is good, Mizzou is good, SLU, the Valley, Southeast, all these SIUE, if it starts to connect, all these programs are going, it's one of the best regions in the country for hoops. It is, and, and the fans really understand. The communities get behind those programs. Uh, you saw that with Brian and SIU. did a phenomenal job this year. Um, and getting that fan base re-energized and, and having them going in the right direction, I don't, I don't think that that'll ever slow down for Brian. Just the way he approaches it and how he, how he does everything. And you know, I, I really feel we can do the same thing at SEMO. I, I don't see why we can't uh, get that same fan uh, support. And we, we can't have the success that we, we need and want. Uh, and you touched on the region. It's just people want basketball to do well in that region, and they, they support it. And they want something to support, and that's you know that's going to be our job to, to make that a sustainable product for them to to come see. It's such a great town, Cape Girardeau really is. This is Brad Corn, the new coach at Southeast Missouri State. One more thing for you, and that is, you and I have a connection in that my aunt Tammy, Tammy McGinnis, and my uncle John are from Plano, Illinois, and you oh, Reapers, yep, yeah, man, you played for the Reapers, Reaper Nation. Now, uh, I want to. Tell people about Plano and have you say it as well, but uh, what, about an hour or so west of Chicago, a suburb that um, is pretty close to Aurora, I would say, if you were geographically trying to tell people where Plano is. But what a community that is, and I know that uh, Tammy's going to be very excited. My Aunt Tammy's going to be excited that I had Brad Corn on the radio. <laughs> yeah, you know, Plano is such a, a special, being born and raised there, and I uh, did an article with a guy um uh, uh, last week and just talking about our high school run our senior year we went uh, we got fourth in state and just to be able to see that community really rally around and to do the parade and all those people um, you know from coach miller uh, coach grudel my high school coaches those guys were they just did a, such an unbelievable job of preparing me for college uh, just a, a neat little community and, you know it used to be 45 minutes to get to the city now it's an hour and a half just with everything growing but yeah. um I haven't been back in a while. I'd uh, love to get back there and kind of check some things out. There's been some opportunities to get back there, but just with obviously the, the profession and coaching, you don't get that many times to uh, to leave um, and go up there for, for uh, banquets or things like that, Hall of Fame type of deals. But it's uh, it'll always be a special place um, just because of the, the community and the people. The people are just so good, and I think you touched on uh, K-State. Uh, even SIU, and I hope, you know, the same thing at SEMO is just the people. You know, the, wherever you're at, the people make it uh, what it can be. And I've been very, very fortunate to be surrounded by by great, great people. I'll tell you one thing, Coach. When we get all of this back, it, it, we will soak it in even more. We'll never take a second for granted. We are going to love sports like we've never loved them before. And I, I look forward to seeing you uh, coaching that uh, Southeast Missouri State team and leading them su- to success. Thanks so much for being with me on KMOX. You got it. I appreciate it. Thank you guys very much. Coach of the Red Hawks right there, SEMO. That is Brad Korn, 
the new head coach at Southeast Missouri State. Folks, thanks for being with us. Sports on a Sunday morning, always a pleasure. We'll talk to you next week. You can always use the Rewind feature on our Radio.com app. Cardinal Baseball is next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.